You're listening to the Choose to Be podcast with host Alana Gordon and Amy Wolsey. As you join us each week, we will provide you with tools, resources, and knowledge to help you navigate your healing journey. Choose recovery, choose healing, choose you. Welcome to the Choose to Be podcast and welcome to our 100th episode. Alana, can you believe we are on episode 100? No, honestly, I didn't even know if we get to episode 10. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for all of your support, for listening, for tuning in, for joining our conversations, for the amazing feedback and reviews. This is a perfect, in fact, one episode 100, this is a perfect time for you to scroll down on Apple Podcasts and leave a review for please so that we can continue to do this amazing podcast. We love it so much. We love you so much. And really it's it's been amazing. I am so glad that Alana, you let me talk you into this. <laughs> Amy did drag me kicking and screaming, but <laughs> I think to stop this, I would probably go kicking and screaming because A, I love my time with Amy. But B, the questions you send in, your feedback, the things that you want to hear that we can just be part of, it's pretty cool. It is so awesome. Such a dream for us to be able to turn around and help experience. And so thank you for allowing us to have this platform to do. And we decided true to form to tackle a really hard topic on our 100th episode. We had great input and it was hard to choose which one, but we decided to go with the tough one. And so that is why we're tackling the top, the topic trauma bonding today. Now, if you are not, yeah, your audio is a little, it's is it really bad It on a computer where it's like, okay. it's not glitching per se, but it's scratchy. Has it been that way the whole time? No, it was just when you started, which was really confusing. Oh, you have no audio now. You'll have to switch your microphone. Okay. Way better. Where did I stop to tackle? Yeah. Just start with the topic again that we're going to tackle. Okay. So true to form, we are going to tackle a hard topic for our 100th episode. We had some amazing feedback, lots of different suggestions, but we're going to go with the topic trauma bonding today. Now, if you have not heard of trauma bonding, you're not entirely sure what this is. Um, and I, Honestly, I would encourage you to hang in there with this, even if maybe you think, no, this isn't for me. This isn't my story. This isn't my situation. I still think this is an amazing topic to get more informed about because number one, I think a lot more women are in a trauma bond than they realize, but I just think it's happening so much around us too. And if you, let's just say for heck's sake, you don't think this applies or it doesn't apply to your situation, but you have teenage daughters or young single adults, then I highly recommend you listen to it and have them listen to this as well. Because I am seeing as I work with young single adults more and more trauma bonding occur in their relationships early on so much. So please hang in there with us, even though it's just a tough topic. I think it is one of the most powerful ones, which is why I'm really excited to do it today. But in a nutshell, trauma bonding, they are attachments that we have with our abusers. Psychologist Jordan Travers says this, I'm going to quote him. He says, it's when we have fond feelings or miss individuals who have abused us because we've developed a connection to them. He says one minute things are good and the next they are not. 
trauma bonding, I think really occurs because the trauma of the abuse, it literally changes your brain's it changes your brain as you start to release those neuropeptides, which bond you to your partner, which you're now becoming addicted to. This often shows up in the romantic relationships, even though I've heard of different trauma bonds. Alana, you could probably speak more to this. I've heard you can become trauma bonded to a parent or any other person in your life. But I think today we're going to focus more on the trauma bonding that happens in your romantic relationship. And it's just really the, these dynamic power imbalances that happen in our relationships. And the person that you want to console you the most is hurting you. And the event or situation that comes to my mind right away when I say that is when my ex-husband went to hit me, but he hit the Oakwood door instead and broke his hand. And I then spent the rest of the night consoling him. You know, he was yelling and screaming and coming at me and then he wanted to hurt me, but I ended up spending the rest of the night consoling him. That event there is like poster board for being in a trauma bond. And so that's what we're talking about today. Now, again, heavy, but hopefully as we run through what this is, the different signs, things to look for, and most importantly, how to move forward and through this, if it is in your relationship. Oh, you tell that example. And I instantly, like, I want to, I, there's so many things I want to talk about and run with that. And we have this beautiful outline of keeping us in order, but that example, as you are telling that I'm visualizing it in my mind and I'm seeing it, like I'm watching it on a movie screen. And it's so interesting because is I picture that happening, me as a viewer, if I'm in a movie theater and that is up on the screen, I see that and I will go, that is messed up. That is not okay. Even if it was nothing physical, but he was coming at you verbally and screaming and yelling, and then you end up consoling him the rest of the night because he feels sad that he hurt your feelings. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that one. Again, as a viewer, if I'm watching that, I'd be like, that's messed up. But when you are in the middle of it, making sense of that, especially when you're in the middle of it, your body is going into a fight, flight, or freeze. And so now logical brain is going offline. Survival brain is coming online. And again, we've said this in so many episodes in the past, but attachment is hooked to that survival part of the brain. And this is the person that we're supposed to stay again, survival brain is saying, I have to stay attached to them. And so there's, it's so hard to see in the middle of it. So anyway, it's so hard to see. It's so hard to see. One of the, that story is, is such an impactful, powerful, sad story for me, because as I watch it back, like on a movie screen, it's interesting. I have a lot of memory loss that one. I can remember so clearly because I remember standing there like waiting for the doctor to come in the office and he's holding his hand and he looks at me, he's like, wait, what's our story? And I remember going, oh yeah, we have to come up with a story because heaven forbid, we really tell what happened. And it was interesting to watch that, watch that whole back in my mind and in my memory and think just to, to your point, what you're saying, oh my hell, if I were watching this, I want to shake that woman and be like, run, get out of there. Go tell your story. Go tell the doctor what happened. But 
Instead, I went to this place of, oh yeah, that's right. We need to cover this up. And he was, and I did, I came up with a really great, funny story to tell our families and friends and the doctor. And, and he was actually really proud of me for telling that story. Like, oh, that's a great one. Nice job. And feeling like going from where I should have been feeling angry and upset and how dare you, I went to feeling very proud and there's the bond, very accepted and approved of because I just covered this up really well. So fascinating. It's uncomfortable and it's so real. Uncomfortable because I want to go back to that Amy then and scoop her up and fast forward her to today. I want that. And at the same time, I know for you, every step along that journey, even in those depths of hell, have led you to where you can sit here and you can speak of this in the way and have the understanding you are today. So it's just interesting. This like, I know all these emotions. Yeah. So let's talk about then just some basic signs of trauma bonding of what it looks like. I love that you gave that visual. I like to use, I like analogies or metaphors. And I think of when somebody goes gambling and they're at the machine and they have the pull down lever, they put their money in, pull the lever down. They don't win, put the money in, pull the lever down. They don't win. I guess now they just use cards. They just pull the lever down, but then all of a sudden they win and it's bing, 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 and their brain just lights up all the dopamine. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, that feels so good. And then, so again, they're like, okay, let's do it again. We don't win. We don't win two times later. Oh, we won just a little bit. Yay. Okay. We don't win. We don't win. We don't win. We go on for a really long time. Then we win. And this inner minute when we never know we're going to get it rewires our brain to always be hoping and looking for and clinging to those times that it is good. And I see this relationally happening that it's really looking at these patterns because in trauma bonding, you're looking at this compulsive cycle of wanting to please your partner in, in avoiding setting them off, wanting that connection, because when it's good, it often feels really good, but then it's followed by verbal, emotional, physical abuse. And then all of a sudden it's like the bottom falls out. Yeah. It's that pattern. And that's, and to back to my example, that's exactly what happened. It's that pattern of being devalued. And that was my experience. I was being devalued by being yelled at, reprimanded, scolded, and then attempted to be hit and then rewarded for coming up with a great cover story. And that reward, that praise that creates that strong hormonal bond between the victim and the abuser. And that's what gets to be what I was addicted to was that, that reward that came after being devalued. And I want to be really careful. And I know you're not saying this, Amy, but I I can see women putting these pieces together that they go, oh my gosh, something is wrong with me because I'm addicted or I'm being rewarded or I'm like, I'm something's wrong with me. And I was listening to Kim day. She did a podcast with worth. I was editing it the other day and she said, oh, forget how she phrased it. But she said like, I was part of the cycle. It was part of the problem. And It's such a sensitive, tender place to be because on one hand, I want to be like, honey, you are not the problem. You are responding and coping to the problem. You are not the problem. 
And on the other hand, there is this piece that if we are interacting, we are part of the pattern. And that's so uncomfortable. It's way uncomfortable. And this is, but this is part, this is how you get out. This, the only way to get out is to see how you are contributing to the cycle. And we've, yes, we've talked about this a lot, but for example, my empathy, my empathetic nature was part of the cycle because I felt so sorry. I could put myself, I, when he was sitting there holding his broken hand, ah, I could see it and I could almost feel how much that hurt for him. That empathy was part of that repeated cycle, therefore creating that bond. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's hard. However, this is why we're doing this because and why I do what I do, because I am willing to say the hard things that are uncomfortable that might go, Ooh, ow, I don't like how that feels. And as always, when we do episodes like this, take note, literal note of what feels super uncomfortable. And that's what you do work around because it's that awareness that will help you. And we're going to talk more about how to move forward, but this is how you move forward is getting uncomfortable. I know. Can we just sit with that? (laughs) Here's the thing. Like we want to speak truth and sometimes truth sucks and it's hard to hear, but that truth is ultimately really what sets us free and allows us to progress. So here we go. Truth. Okay. So signs of trauma bonding. Now I will tell you when everything first came out with Luke or in the first six months, I remember telling somebody I said, I feel like Luke is my drug. And this is after we had come back after a separation, but even like how much my brain during our separation was so hyper-focused on him. And I said, I just, it doesn't, I don't know how to explain this. It doesn't feel healthy. He feels like my drug. And so some of these signs hit home with me um, in an uncomfortable way. So one of the signs that you might have trauma bonding is looking past red flags for the allure of the honeymoon phase. And I'm going to say looking past red flags, just because you want to see the good and you so bad want that connection. You feel drained and avoid open communication, that emotional exhaustion on a regular basis, especially relationally. You don't feel like yourself and you keep secrets. Okay. This one for me, this was me to a T defending your partner's bad behaviors. Remember so many times explaining to somebody what happened. And then as it's coming out of my mouth, I'm like, I got to filter that because I can hear how it sounds. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, how do I paint him in a better light? And I don't have to do that anymore, but I did that so many times. There was so much protecting him that I didn't see it. I did not see it as me protecting him. I just, didn't like those uncomfortable feelings. Okay. The last one. And then Amy talk on all of these. The last one was persistent loyalty in the face of danger. Yeah. Again, just that example that I gave, I'm seeing every single one of these in that just one example, but I think really why this is happening is that we are, and I see this a lot with the young single adults that I work with actually, where they tend to romanticize a relationship that is intense. And we see this in movies and a lot of these romantic comedies or movies, it gives a perfect example and layout of what we're talking about here. This romanticizing abuse, romanticizing unhealth. And there was a, I think I've mentioned this years ago, maybe, but, or a couple of years ago when we started this podcast, but 
there was this what's Hallmark. There was this Hallmark movie, and I don't watch that anymore because of this station. There's too many triggers in Hallmark station now for me. But there was this Hallmark movie, and this one girl had come back to her hometown, and she, because she was going through a divorce, she ran into this guy that she had dated like in high school or whatever. And he was so excited that she came back and he was just like hell bent on getting with her. Like, oh my gosh, she's back. I want her. She's going to be mine. And she was like, look, I'm going through hard. I'm going through trauma. I can't, I don't have time for this. You need to leave me alone. And she very clearly said, do not come to my house. Do not bring me flowers. Do not this, do not that. Do not even show up at the same store. And what that whole movie was about him busting through her boundaries over and over until he wore her down. And then it was like, oh, romance. I was done. Okay. I was literally done after that. So he's love bombing her. He Absolutely love bombing, which is a huge. Okay. So can you explain what love bombing is for those who don't know? Okay. Yes. Love bombing is when you, when someone makes you feel so good. See, how do I explain love bombing? They overwhelm you with gifts. They overwhelm you with excessive praise. They overwhelm you with instant communication. Like it's just over. Just think of like over the top of anything. Anything that you, and then you romanticize it. Oh my gosh, he doesn't want me to leave him ever. Oh my gosh, he doesn't want me to be out of his sight. Oh my gosh, he doesn't want to stop talking to me. So he wants to be on the phone all night long. Oh my gosh, he brings me flowers every day, or he shows up at my door when I told him that I just wanted a night to myself because he couldn't stand to be without me. That would be signs of love bombing that comes to my mind. Yeah. And think about this. If you're into the person, holy cow, that can feel so good. If you're not into them, think about how creepy and messed up that is. And, but if you are into them, how distracting that can be of the unhealthiness because it feels so good. And yeah. that love bombing can also become part of the pattern too. Absolutely. So I think key here is you just need to really get clear with why is he showing up so much and this is just why it's so good to have those breaks when you're dating. I tell all of my YSA girls, like you have to take time away. You have to take time away. And on your, after every date, you come home and I want you to do a thought dump. I want you to really get clear. And so even if you're married after an uh, a, an interaction, I want you to get clear about that interaction. Was that interaction forced? Did I say I'm not ready to talk, but I was forced to talk? Really get clear about what just happened in these moments. But yeah, I hear that a lot of, oh, he was just so persistent and he wore me down. Or I've even heard men say, I'm going to wear you down until you say yes. I'm going to keep coming after you until you say yes. And it's romanticized. That's love bombing. Even in dating, where you tell someone you're not interested and they go, all right, I'll wait. And then they wait and then they check in and then they wait and they check in and they wait. But if they're doing that in a way that's wearing you down, a healthy man is going to say, that's great. You do you. If you want to come find me later, I may be available. I may not. But if he's like just waiting there in the background, just watching and waiting and watching and waiting until you come back, there's something about that that just feels really gross to me. Yeah, but it can get confused with that, that oxytocin, right. And that bonding hormone. And that's what we have to really be careful of. I think in a nutshell, trauma bonding is that reward punishment, reward punishment, 
cycle that happens over and over. And if you are questioning, if you're going, oh, I wonder if my relationship is really love or if it's trauma bonding, that's a sign. If you have to even question, that is something that I would highly recommend. Just call me, just call me. But yeah, I think those irregular cycles of caring, these caring gestures mixed with criticism that can be really hard to decipher because it's, it can sometimes happen so quickly, but that, that mixture can really create traumatic attachments. Yeah. And people aren't cruel all of the time. If they were always cruel, always terrible, the majority of people wouldn't be in that relationship. So the exchange theory that there has to be enough good until there's enough good to hold you there, like a scale, you're weighing it out that there's enough good that it outweighs the bad. At some point, if that shifts and the bad outweighs the good, then we might have, I'm sorry, I just got distracted with something. Hold on. I'm going to hide non-video participants because I realize that there we go. Now we can't see Luke, but he's still here. Okay. Now I don't even know what I was going to say, but with this, nobody is bad all the time. We have that good and the bad mixed together. It's a cocktail of fear and seduction, fear and seduction that deepens the attachment because it provides intensity that escalates the attraction and the arousal. So if you think about that, if we have fear and seduction, deeper attachments, that is just, well, it's a recipe for trauma bonding, but it's a recipe for disaster. And if you have a loved one that you see in an abusive relationship and you're like, why don't they leave? Why can't they leave? I can't tell you how many clients I've had who are in abusive relationships and they say, all of my family is so sick of this. They've all left me. They can't talk to me about it. They don't want to be around because when you see your loved one going through this and they're so bonded, it is so incredibly painful to watch. Yeah. It is and even harder in the middle of it. Oh my gosh. I know. I think about my parents and, oh, that was so painful for them to watch. And they were so patient with just repeating to me over and over reality and trying to help me see that. Cause it is painful from the other side, but I think it's just really hard to, when you have already have an insecure attachment that you, from your primary caregivers, I think that, and any other unhealthy attachments, but that insecure attachment pattern, those with that are more likely to enter into a trauma bond. And that's just something to be aware of. That's a buzz right now is attachments, attachment theory. And so Google it, you can there's lots of tests that you can take to see what your attachment style is, but that insecure attachment pattern can be more susceptible to trauma bonding. And like we were saying earlier that I was very, I'm very agreeable, very empathetic. Those kinds of personality traits too can, can attract and invite and, and create a relationship that is unhealthy. And again, that doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. This is all just awareness. I, I needed to be aware of that so that even now in my relationship, it's a healthy relationship. But when I drop into that unhealthy empathy, because I'm aware, because I'm like, oh, there I go again. Okay. That's a sign for me. Where's my back? And that's just life. That's just managing our human brains. And so it's nothing that, that is a negative in that it's going to affect the rest of your life or the rest of your relationships. You just want to be aware of that. Oh, for sure. There was a theory that came out 
years ago, I forget the name of it, but it's this like magnetic theory that we attract people to us that we attract people to us based off of our life experiences, our trauma. And that theory has gained a lot of traction or it did for a season, but then a lot of people pushed back on it and they said, whoa, hey, now we're blaming victims. That's problematic. But what's really interesting, and I'm not using that theory per se, but pieces of that theory where they say, okay, look, help in the middle as an individual is I know who I am. I know who you are. We can be differentiated yet. I know how to come together. I know when to be selfish and I know when to be selfless. I know when to have boundaries. I know when to, we don't want our boundaries completely rigid. We don't want them completely porous. So I have this nice middle ground. So think of that as this middle point. Well, if we start moving to each end of the spectrum, one end is selfish and one end is selfless. The more we move away from that middle part, and I'm going to say just because a lot of the women I've worked with are extremely selfless and women are raised to be agreeable. We're raised to be gentle and kind and don't rock the boat. And if we've had family dynamics that have even increased that more or religious culture that says you be selfless, but we take that really extreme in an unhealthy way. So we can move further and further away from that middle point of becoming more and more selfless. Well, the more selfless we are, the further we are away from that point, you think about, because we have no boundaries, no walls, how attractive that is to somebody who's increasingly selfish. The further they get away from that middle, the more that they're going to want someone equally away from that middle on the other end, because they get to be selfish. They get to have somebody tend to their needs. They get to have somebody cater to them and always make it okay. And if you think about, if you had someone who's incredibly selfish and they had somebody who was equally as selfish, that would get old real fast. They would get that person out and they would look for someone who is going to fulfill all of that gap of their selfishness. And so healthiest thing that we can do as individuals is we can work to move forward back to that middle place. And you still can have people anywhere on the spectrum be attracted to you, but you become more aware and you do become less appealing to those incredibly selfish people because you do have boundaries. You do say, nope, I won't accept that. You don't tolerate behaviors that have taken them away from that middle. So by default, you do start to find and you yourself become more grounded than the middle. You will be attracted to more people who also are in that middle ground. Now, I don't think anyone comes to this world. We don't come to the world right in that middle place of nice, healthy boundaries and differentiation because we come to the world as enmeshed. We come to the world as needing our caregivers hundred percent. We come completely dependent. And so it's a journey of becoming healthier to that middle point. And I wish I normally draw this out. So hopefully I visually made that make enough sense. Are you still with me, Amy? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I think that, no, that was really good. I would like to just jump into some signs because if you're sitting here going, well, okay, am I trauma bonded? Is that me? Just a couple of things to consider here that, that might indicate you are developing that trauma bond with someone else. So for example, if you want to leave someone, or even maybe you've had the idea to separate, or you might even decide that 
that the relationship just overall is not healthy and it is not good for me. And it's not the relationship that I want anymore or need, but the drawback to this pull to them is so powerful that you just, you lose all that resolve to move forward. And with maybe even a plan to separate, maybe you even come up with a plan and that, that pull just feels like it's just sucking you back in. You might feel panic. If you think about separating or leaving and you go into sheer panic, and then when that happens, you get your judgment gets cloudy and all of the things that you maybe had decided were helpful or the path that you wanted to move forward isn't going to work out anymore. Anyways, it can get confusing because now what I hear a lot of clients do and what I did also was confuse that with love. I felt the panic of leaving and then my brain went, it's just because you love him. And that just, those two don't go together. And so I just think getting some clarity when you feel these massive conflicting thoughts between, I really feel like I need to separate and, or I really feel like I need to leave the relationship. And then there's just something that pulls you back in. That's when you probably need to get some help with a professional to really work through those thoughts. Because if you're in true trauma bond in that true cycle the only way to really break that, and this can be really difficult when you have children together. And again, I know this is so hard, but the recommendation is to break off all contact. And so again, that's going to be really tricky. I've worked with a lot of clients who are in trauma bonds and they have children together and now they're getting divorced. And so that becomes, that's tricky, but it is definitely possible. It's so possible to heal and move forward when you are experiencing this. For sure. For sure. So how to move on going the no contact, even, even for those who you have someone who is legitimately doing healthy work, going no contact allows you that time and space to get clear and figure out for you what's healthy, what's not healthy, do your own work. So if you choose at some point to re-engage, you're re-engaging from a healthy place. And I'm not speaking with abusers. I'm not speaking with people who are actively abusing. I'm speaking to mild cases, if you've hung with us and listened, but when you go this no contact, it's really important that you're also intentionally connecting with other people. So we don't go no contact. And then we go into this hole and stay in isolation. We need to make sure that we're finding other people to have connection with other healthy ways to connect. And that does not mean going and jumping in another relation. It does not mean going to find another man to connect with or woman to connect with. It's connecting with yourself. It's finding healthy people that you can share and be open with. It's meeting with a therapist and connecting with them or connecting with your coach or finding healthy friends. That is going to be really important. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that is, that's key because when you are in this trauma bond relationship, you do become isolated. You do lose touch with reality. You lose touch with what is healthy. And so being around other healthy people is going to help you see the difference. That's why I love separation. I actually love the idea of separation of time apart. Like I mentioned earlier, even when my YSAs are dating, I'm like separation. We need to take some time apart because that's when you can get clarity. But when you can, when you can connect back with yourself, because trauma bonding is you're losing connection with yourself and the connection with this person becomes life breath. And so coming back to your life and your breath is so critical here. Exactly. And that kind of leads into another step to moving forward 
is learn what your attachment is as yeah. you're developing this relationship with yourself, get to know yourself, learn what your attachments are, learn about what's impacted, how you're attaching. And that will give you really good information to empower you to keep moving forward in whatever way that looks. Yeah. And remember, this doesn't mean, oh my gosh, I got to go fix myself and be perfect before I can date or have a healthy relationship. It's just that awareness. It's just noticing, oh, because I'm an anxious attachment or because I feel I've experienced abandonment. So when he goes on a trip, I start to feel clingy just because there's my fear of abandonment coming up. It's just that awareness that is really key here. So again, it doesn't mean that you have to be perfect or fix yourself. It's just so that you can see how you are perhaps stepping into an unhealthy pattern. And this is going to open up a whole nother door that we'll do in another episode, but I, it's important to know too, what your partner's attachments are. When we have abuse, when we have narcissism, narcissistic tendencies, those are based in insecurity. And usually they have a ton of fears of abandonment. And so that can trigger our own over empathetic state. It can trigger us to cater to them, to protect them from those feelings. And a lot of times that fear and their abandonment issues and their attachment is what increases their intense reactions and what also can draw us back in. So understanding what theirs are, not in a way to change them, to fix them, or to, to cater to them, but understanding them in a way, because knowledge is power. We're not excusing. We're not excusing if they've had abuse in their own childhood, if they've had a parent who is emotionally neglectful, if they've had these different things, we want to know that and understand that it doesn't give them a free, they still have the responsibility of dealing with the impact, but it also helps us know and understand of what we're working with. And I think that's really important as well. Yeah. Cause then that's how you're going to know what boundaries to set. Yeah. All that whole new episode. <laughs> we always do that. So last thing that we can do, and Amy, you already talked about this was get really comfortable and good at doing thought dumps and journaling. Let your journals help you gain more clarity because we have this thing in our brain that when everything is up in our head, it's very abstract. It's not concrete. It's floating around. We jump from thought to thought, but the minute we are forced to speak it out or write it out, it requires us to take that abstract and turn it into something concrete. It forces us to make sense of it. And so by writing it out, by thought dumping it, and then bonus going back and looking through what we wrote can be a really healthy activity on helping us see with better clarity. Yeah. So any final thoughts? A ton. I feel like this topic is so, I know we could go, honestly, I could go on for another hour talking about trauma bonding. And so I just want, I guess, to point out that this, what we're sharing isn't all that there is to know, get help, get clarity for yourself on how this might apply to you and your situation. I think not everyone is going to perhaps relate to, to my story of abuse, but when you are dealing with someone who is in addictive behaviors, then like we've said before, there is an element of abusive behavior that couples that. And so you might be experiencing some sort of trauma bonding, but maybe not to the extent that I was, I just, 
there's so much to this that I don't want people leaving this episode thinking either I don't experience that kind of abuse. He's not trying to hit me. So I'm not trauma bonded or I don't know. I just feel like I'm having a hard time ending this episode (laughs) because I do feel like there's so much to this. So maybe we do an episode two, maybe we do part two, but I think if anything, do some research for yourself and then please feel free to, to book with someone who is trained in this to get more curious about your particular relationship and experiences because there is so much to this that is, there's so many nuances to this. Yeah. I think we definitely need a part two. I think a part two that has even more stories and examples because when I hear other people's stories and examples, that resonates me with me better and I can see myself in it even better. So this is a great foundation. We'll do a part two that allows you to see even more what it could look like in different scenarios. So stick with us, hang with us. We will see you all next week. Hey, y'all like free things, right? Okay, well then tell that awesome young single adult in your life, age 18 through 28, that there is a free webinar Tuesday, August 30th at 6 p.m. Pacific time with yours truly. I will be talking about what healthy dating looks like, how to have those hard conversations, but so important conversations, and not just once, but over and over, why boundaries while dating is so important, and answering their awesome, amazing questions. So the link to register for that is in the show notes, or you can head over to chooserecoveryservices.com. All right, everyone, thank you again for listening and continue to choose recovery, choose healing, and choose you. Take care, everybody. Thank you.